Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. How are you all today? Alright, so uh, today is the last week of July and uh, it's the last session of SGC before I break for the, uh, the three months rains. Uh, so uh, after that, there will be an announcement uh, on that and there will be a series of three months program. Uh, the volunteers will be helping me to keep the programs going. Yeah, so we'll be having, uh, we'll be inviting uh, some venerables uh, to give talks online. And then uh, in between, there'll be some reruns yeah, of uh, some of the excerpts from the past. Uh, hope to, you know, uh, let everybody still learn and practice together. Uh, one thing about that, uh, some, some students, some variables were like, oh, so faster, you big one. No, I, I don't call it big one. Uh, because big one means like um, absolute solitude, um, isolation in that sense. Uh, what I'm doing is basically uh, allocating more time to my to the daily practices, meditation, um, and on top of that, to actually have um, more time to do my own uh, reading of the sutras and also the commentaries. Yeah. Uh, so for August, September, October, the all classes will will temporarily stop for the period. Yeah. So um, yeah, then in November we resume and then we can uh, have have the classes again. Yeah. So <coughs> today's session is uh, AMA. Yeah. Ask me anything. So to get the ball rolling, we have some questions. Uh, some questions from the Heart Sutra class. Yeah, so I'm going to cover some of them. There's quite a few. Yeah, so some questions uh, itself is actually quite uh, long drawn. Uh, whereas some questions are pretty straightforward, so I can actually answer them. Mm. So I'm going to just go in the sequence that was posted for me. The first question is Shifu Amito for Ching Wen. Yeah, so uh, this is about the practice of uh, the, the repent repentance uh, practice. Oh. So in various uh, repentance puja, the the higher form of uh, repentance is actually uh, vipassana practice. Guan Zui Kong. Yeah, to contemplate on the uh, on the transgression of precepts as fundamentally empty in nature as well. Yeah, of course when we say Guan Zui Kong, it's not just Guan Zui, uh, but basically at that point then is to contemplate that all phenomena is empty in nature. Yeah. 
so um, in brief yeah in brief uh, what has that got to do with repentance yeah. our idea of repentance is usually we did something wrong and then we uh, ask for forgiveness yeah uh, different religions have different approach to it so but in Buddhism uh, strictly speaking we are not really asking Buddha for forgiveness yeah so it's not like there's someone who can just forgive and then sort of like write off your your wrongdoing but rather in Buddhism uh, when we do repentance uh, puja uh, there is uh, first the acknowledgement of the act yeah that is an, a transgression uh, transgression <coughs> is uh, multifold so we can say that we can look at it and that the transgression is a transgression of the precept in what sense uh, that we we had at an earlier date uh, make a decision yeah declared our intent to upkeep a certain set of uh, behaviors yeah so when we do something that goes against that decision then it's a transgression so it's a transgression of the precepts itself yeah but in the process um, for a good set of the precepts uh, it is guarding against uh, willful actions that harms others so in a way then we are transgressing against the welfare of others uh, so that's one uh, aspect to to realize that by transgressing the precepts we are um, directly harming others uh, so to acknowledge that we have we harm others um, and it was uh, and it is a, an unwholesome act uh, then on top of that um, it is to recognize that um, at the first place, why did we undertake such precepts? Yeah, that we undertake such precepts because we 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 want to uh, move in the direction of harmlessness, to develop love and compassion for others. That to put it simply, life is tough enough. Uh. We don't have to add on to the suffering of one another. Yeah, and so if we if we had decided. Uh, to undertake such practices to train ourselves yeah like when we recite sikha padam samadhi ami yeah so the training rule yeah precepts more correctly are the training rules yeah so to recognize that um, our in original intent was to be of benefit to others to not harm others so by acting against that we are transgressing against our own uh, kind intent Oh. so uh, then as part of the repentance uh, puja it is to recognize that those acts harming others will in turn harm ourselves also yeah uh, harm ourselves in terms of karmic uh, results in future whether in the present life or in subsequent lives and when those actions ripen the, the results would impede us from our spiritual progress uh, slow us down or outrightly uh, prevent us from spiritual development which in turn uh, slow us down from benefit, being of benefit to others yeah, so 
then finally we make a strong resolve to to uh, act otherwise that means to not uh, act in harmful ways so the practice itself in various puja say for example the Same Sui Chan the water repentance puja the highest level is Guan Zui Xing Kong yeah. so um, this is linked to repentance yeah, because ultimately um, if we can contemplate that the, the act of harming others is empty in nature um, it is not simply just the act yeah, but when we say the act is empty in nature what does it mean? It means that it is also dependent arising. Dependent on what? Dependent on um, defilements. Yeah. Depending dependent on our wrong view, uh, defilements. Yeah. And we uh, succumbing to to that. Yeah. And they in turn, these in turns, are dependent on other conditions. Yeah. So as a result. If the conditions change, then the harmful act don't have to take place. Yeah. Yeah. If so, if we can through, truly see uh, the emptiness of the harmful act, then it frees us from from this act itself. Yeah. It means that to truly know. Yeah. In the teaching, another angle to look at it is that there are supporting conditions for those acts to happen yeah and if you cut that off yeah the the nutriment yeah to harmful acts unwholesome thoughts then the harmful acts wouldn't happen yeah um and then there's purification and in this way we plant new seeds new seeds of resolve to act otherwise such that in future <coughs> when we encounter similar conditions that uh, uh, trigger to our, our transgression then we will act otherwise instead of uh, acting in ways that is harmful towards others uh, impediment towards our practice then we will act otherwise we will not act on those impulses yeah. so in this way then there's purification and there's true repentance uh, so, so this is the uh, way of wisdom using wisdom to overcome those habitual tendencies yeah. um, in a way it is like um, in the teachings we talk about observance of precepts in three um, level the first level is uh, what you call Lü Yijie so according to the stipulations found in the precepts we restrain ourselves um, so at that level the mindset may not be totally purified yeah so conceptually logically intellectually we may agree yeah shouldn't kill yeah but there may still be that urge yeah to harm to kill uh, not not human uh, most of us don't have the urge to kill human <laughs> thankfully yeah but maybe towards some smaller creatures yeah there may be still momentary urges the the whole practice of precepts at that level yeah, at this level of uh, Liu Yi, that means 
uh, following the rules and regulation, it is that it's not that we don't have the urge to kill anymore. It is that when there's urge to kill, we restrain ourselves from killing. Uh, so this is uh, observing the precepts by the rules and regulation. So the second level is if a person can practice meditation, yeah, samatha, yeah. So quieten the mind until it's very refined, and then enter into samadhi, enter into jhana, yeah. So at that point, the mind is uh, the mind uh, is somewhat purified, yeah, temporarily through the power of the samadhi and jhana. So in that case. Uh, during that period when a person is in concentration uh, unwholesome states yeah, has no ability to arise but it's only temporary but as a result in that state the person wouldn't act in harmful ways that transgresses the precepts also so this is called ting gong jie observance of precepts coupled with samadhi uh, uh, this Guan Sui Sing Kong will be at a higher level Tao Gong Jie So if you can ultimately uh, attain to the wisdom of emptiness yeah, then it is true wisdom you know, uh, that you abstain from uh, harm, harmfulness yeah, that you observe the precepts so-called observe yeah, uh, but without, uh, without the intent itself so what do we mean by that? So just now we, we gave the example of uh, maybe we may uh, when we see insects we may have an urge to kill uh, or maybe other circumstances we may uh, have an urge but when we observe precepts we overcome the urge there's still the urge but we don't act according to the urge <clears throat> so that's the first level this third level is like for example the Buddha said Arahants Arakahans are not able to do <coughs> harmful things yeah. consciously, intentionally do it, no. So they are not able to intentionally kill, steal, engage in sexual activity, lie and so on. Yeah. So <coughs> for them, uh, they don't do it, they are unable to do it because the intent to harm has been removed. And the reason why intent to harm has been removed is because uh, the the defilements have been removed greed, hatred, delusion has been removed and the reason why that can be removed is because the view has been purified the view has been purified because there was direct seeing of how things are yeah, and in this case Guan Zui Sing Kong um, to penetrate into the emptiness of the act itself which then in a <coughs> by extension to all phenomena yeah, so in that way then there is purification yeah, so uh, we call that Tao Gong Jie. The Tao is referring to the Noble Eightfold Path, yeah, the path, the enlightened path. Uh, so this is where an enlightened one at the Arahant and above stage, then uh, has purified, yeah, purified uh, the the ignorance, purified the view, such that there's no more ignorance, no more greed, hatred, delusion. Uh, so in brief, this is uh, for question one on Guan Zui Xin Kong He Chan Hui. Siu Yin uh, posted, so the first question was by Zhang Jie, second question from uh, Siu Yin. Uh, 
呃，请师，请师父，请您讲解大乘的四种颠倒，感恩。Yeah, so for this, I would leave it to after the retreat. Yeah, and uh, and uh, hang on. Uh, yeah, I will leave it to after the retreat and have a dharma talk on that. Okay. The third question, Lok John asks, Yesterday, Sri Fu mentioned the Zhou in the front, Sita Shen Zhou, Sita Ming Zhou, Sihu Sang Zhou, Sihu Dan Dan Zhou. Yeah, this part of the Heart Sutra, and the one at the back, Ji Suo Zhou Ye, are different. May Sri Fu explain the difference again. So as I explained that day, in the lineage I was trained in, the Sita Shen Zhou, Sita Ming Zhou, Sihu Sang Zhou, Sihu Dan Dan Zhou itself is referring to the teaching of the perfection of wisdom. Yeah, it's referring to the Prashna Paramita. That this teaching itself is, uh, is, uh, is a great uh, spiritual mantra. Yeah, that it is a rare mantra, rare teaching. Uh, so it's looking at it as a teaching and not so-called a mantra mantra. Yeah. Uh, whereas the 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 one be behind, actually the word mantra we usually think of it as some. You know, some verse that is very uh, magical, yeah, and in in a sense, it's that meaning, but it's not the usual meaning that we think. Like for example, behind gate gate para gate para sangate bodhisattva. Yeah, as I as I explained in class that day, um, the word so in Chinese context have a lot of connotation, but mantra, um, mantra in in Indian. Buddhism or in, in Indian culture and in Buddhism um, uh, is basically an utterance. Yeah, it's referring to an utterance that has power. Yeah, uh, and it, the power comes from the, the conviction of the person who said it. Yeah. So it's, in Buddhism, it's more that um, because the person has cultivation and because the person has conviction, that means um, he says something, he will make it happen. Yeah. And because he has merits and cultivation, he can make it happen. Whereas for most people, they tell like <laughs> most of us no okay, maybe not most of us. There are some people, okay? Uh, they tell you that uh, they want to meet you for coffee. Today they tell you, the next day they change their mind. And because they changed their mind, the coffee didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, they tell you that uh, if you need help, you can go to them. They say, yeah. But when you really need help, they say that they are not, they are not free. So they they have no conviction in their words, and as a result, their words have no power. Yeah. So um, we call this lip service. Yeah, mantra is the opposite of it. Yeah, mantra is the opposite of it. It is about um, holding those words and making it happen yeah so um, uh, in that sense the the, the teachings of uh, the teachings itself of uh, perfection of wisdom has that same connotation that this these teachings have the power that it, if it says the teachings describe reality as dependent arising and empty in nature this is how it is yeah yeah, this is how it is. 
Yeah, it is not like it says and then but it can be overturned. Oh. Yeah. So the the verse behind is basically an an exhortation, yeah, from the Buddha to uh, or Quan Simpusa, if you will, uh, to whoever is practicing it, yeah, to strive towards um, uh, the end of suffering, to strive to cross to the other shore, from this shore of suffering to the other shore of Nibbana. So gate gate to go to go para gate to go uh, over para sang gate to go completely over. Yeah, so as I mentioned in class, uh, some of the some of the commentators, some of the masters have commented that the gate gate para sang para gate para sang gate refers to the different stages. No? Uh, of uh, progression. Yeah, so like we may say gate gate para gate para sangate bodhisaha, yeah, attain uh, great awakening. Uh, usually no power. <laughs> yeah. It is like when we when we make a mistake like earlier we talked about something, then people repent. Yeah. Is our repentance powerful? Does it have the mantra power? Uh, it depends. Do you stick to it? When you say you don't do it, do you really stick to it and never ever do it? Yeah. When we learn a teaching, when we go for Dharma class, we go for retreats, we feel very inspired. Now we say, oh, I must see true reality. Yeah. I must not succumb to my defilements. I must contemplate. Yeah. I must meditate every day. Yeah. Every day you, you repeat and you remind yourself. Yeah. But does it have power? Yeah. Do we put in power into those words? Do we put in conviction to those words? Yeah. It's just like in all the different traditions, there are beautiful verses. Yeah. Uh, verses in praise of the Buddha. Verses uh, of the teachings of the Buddha, the utterance of truth. Verses of dedication. Yeah. Uh, but do we give it power? Meaning, do we actually stick to those aspirations? Like for example, we have a very common uh, Sabbe, Sata, Sukita, Honto. May all beings be well and happy. Uh, we, we say it all the time. Yeah? May all beings be well and happy. But do we give it power? Uh, during a puja, yeah, we can do it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can have a bit of conviction. Uh, but when we are in office, can we still have that conviction? Yeah. When we are faced with an unreasonable person, yeah, a person who appear to like out to make our life miserable, can we still have that conviction? May all beings, including this person, may this person be well and happy as well. Uh, when we are queuing up in the in the supermarket. And someone push a cut and knock into our our feet. Can does do we stick still have that conviction, yeah, to 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 make good the statement. May all beings be well and happy. Yeah. Uh, when we recite, yeah. Or do we then get frustrated? 
I said this person will keep knocking to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or some years back, I share with some students, you know, this, we all beings. Yeah. But then when we are in the train and it's very crowded, I don't know how crowded it is now, today, nowadays. But when you're in a train and then it's crowded, yeah. And we, maybe we are even listening to Meta Chan. Da, 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 da. Yeah, like the chant that we listen to. And then, oh, may all things be well and happy. But then, oh, you get jostled. Except these, these foreign workers huh, keep coming to Singapore. I do. In, at that point, then suddenly our meta disappeared. And then, then the mantra we recite has no power. Then when we recite Metta Sutta, Karani Yam Atakusalena Yantam Santam Nisa Mecha, then no power. At that moment, no power, no more power. Now then it is no conviction. Yeah, so uh, that's the thing about the, the word so in the different parts. Uh. Uh, oftentimes when we learn, let's say, in the Theravadan tradition, there is parita also. Yeah, we, they, it's called parita, protective verses, not called mantra. But similar effect. Yeah, similar effect. So it's reciting certain verses that is supposed to evoke uh, thoughts of purity yeah, uh, and reminder of the, the merits, the value of our practice of the precepts, yeah, practice of our cultivation. Yeah, and then to direct our mind to make good, to bring welfare for others. In that way then it provides protection. In that way, it provides protection. Not magically, just through that sound. Uh, of course, I understand that in some traditions, like in the Tibetan tradition, sometimes there's this, uh, there's this explanation, and people take it a bit, to me, a bit too literally. Uh, um, that they believe that, like when you recite Om Mani Padme Hum, then the particular sound, that frequency, can produce some effect. Uh, in Buddhism, we don't subscribe to that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't see any teaching that talk about sound having certain power. It talk about mind having power. Yeah. So if, if you recite, let's say, Om Mani Padme Hum, and your mind connect with the pure quality of love and compassion, and then it has power. What power? It has the power to um, enable you to act in loving ways with love and compassion even in the face of adversity. <laughs> and then, then you derive benefit. What benefit? You are able to uh, act in wholesome ways, beneficial ways to others, regardless of how they treat you. That is power. Power in Buddhism is quite different from power in the worldly sense. Worldly sense is, I have power, that means I have the ability over others. No. In Buddhism, power is about ability over our habitual tendency. Yeah. Power to be kind, irregardless. Power to, to act in wise way, irregardless. And that is power in Buddhism.
technology. Uh, so next question, Jenny Ho asks, 师父阿弥陀佛，请师父再开示无智亦无得，一无所得故，呃，自信不可得，呃，是这个智或智。So, 呃，自自信不可得 ，is 自己的自 ，Yeah. So self nature, in other words, does the does the object has inherent nature? Yeah. That means it is like that by itself. Ah,、uh, that is called 有自信 Now we say 无自信 no no self nature. Yeah, because it exists not by itself. It exists dependent on other conditions. Oh. Uh, the question mark is only the last line, so I'm not sure whether the the first two line is actually a question, or、uh, do you want me to explain the first two line? 无智亦无得 Yeah, so the 无智亦无得 is actually the third section. Uh, that there's no inherent wisdom, or、uh, Wisdom in Buddhism is the absence of ignorance. So it's not like there's some inherent wisdom that you can go and obtain. And then the wudzi yuta is referring the to the to the different so-called attainments, and yet there's nothing really attained. Yeah.、Uh, so because in in Buddhism we talk about all the different stages. Yeah. So for the Buddhist sattva, they try to. Uh, attain to the different stages. They reduce the the defilements. They reduce,、uh, remove、uh, the ignorance. Then, in turn, appear to have increase in wisdom. Yeah, but actually, no、uh, no inherent ignorance being removed, no inherent wisdom being attained.、Uh, so,、um, the next line, "Yu so de gu." Yeah, actually, in between there's one more line. Ah, 无智亦无得 Uh, yeah. So, so the last part, 无智亦无得一无所得故 So, the 无智亦无得 is part of the whole series of 四故空中无色无受想行识无眼耳鼻舌身意无色声相为触法无眼界乃至无意世界无明亦无明尽乃至无老死亦无老死之故无智亦无得 Yeah, then you also the good. So this whole chunk, the earlier part,、uh, as I explained that day,、um, is referring to the the various stages of our progression, and it, it refers to the different things that、uh, we are entrapped towards that we、um, hold as real, as substantial, as inherent. Yeah. But if a person can、uh, progress through the stages, then ultimately he sees that whether in terms of、uh, worldly phenomena, yeah, condition phenomena, yeah,、uh, or the very nature of of purity and impurity, or even the attainments, yeah,、uh, that we pursue. In other words, everything. Yeah, all phenomena are ultimately empty in nature, and they being empty in nature, there's nothing substantial 
permanent unchanging that you can actually attain and hence 无所得 yeah, so in Buddhism there's this phrase of uh, yeah, the wisdom that realizes that the things that we use to grasp onto that we pursue, we fight over, we quarrel over, we kill over actually at the end of the day nothing substantial nothing, nothing tangible substantial yeah. dreamlike dreamlike pursuits yeah. so once you attain this wisdom seeing that it is like that you so go so then the Bodhisattva is able to, uh, with this wisdom, be free of all uh, preoccupation, be free of all worries, yeah, and subsequently um, uh, fear and suffering. Oh, and then at a later stage, uh, and even be free of the four distortion and attain to ultimate nibbana. Oh. Uh, we, uh, I hope that <laughs> answers the question. Oh, answers the question. This question four. Jenny Ho Ho asks one last question. Sifu, Ji Xiang, Amitabha. I dropped a question. Uh, uh, so if we look at the uh, the Da Zhang, there's a website online uh, called cbeta.org. It has um, up to six to eight different translations yeah, of the Heart Sutra. And in various translations, they differ slightly by certain terms. Yeah, but you can see more or less that they are actually the same text. So um, the one that we usually recite is uh, by Xuanzang Da Si. And it just focuses on the reply itself. But the other ones, you can see that prior to that, there is uh, the Xu Fen, which is the, the usually when we recite the Sutra, there's a Ru Si Wo Wen Yi Si Fo Zai Momotifang, yeah, a certain place. Yeah, so uh, this Ha Sutra, if I don't recall wrongly, should be at the Ling Chiu San. And then, uh, so there, there are uh, several people there of the disciples. And then there was someone, in this case, Li Fo Zhen asking the question like, if a person wants to cultivate, how should the person cultivate? And then what we recite is the reply. Uh, what we recite is the reply. Uh, similar to the Diamond Sutra. Uh, similar to the Diamond Sutra. Yeah. So uh, that is the <laughs> that's basically what we know is the condition. Uh, so uh, that's the the questions that we have from the Heart Sutra. Okay. Now let me take a look at the uh, Facebook page. Where is my Facebook? Okay, let me see the comments. Uh, <coughs> whether there are any uh, any new page. questions uh, coming in. Mm. Uh, let me see. 
good afternoon, good afternoon. Okay, very good to see all of you online. I hope everybody is keeping well. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Alison, I I don't know which one come first, but right after all the good afternoon, the first question I see is from Alison Go. Uh, she's currently in Spain. So Evert, and uh, with Evert, so Evert asks, good afternoon, Shifu. Is Mahana lineage on its own? Or is it a term com that comprises all Mahayana lineages, as example Yogacara, Madhyamika, etc. Yeah. Then, when visiting a Chinese temple, how could we know what is the lineage? Thank you. Yeah. So, strictly speaking, the term Mahayana predates Chinese Buddhism, uh, to be to be precise. Yeah. But um, in the in recent times. Uh, many Chinese Mahayana teachers would refer to Da Chen uh, as referring to Chinese Mahayana. Yeah. So, um, but uh, while I'm while while I'm ordained under the Chinese Mahayana tradition, I personally would still look at it, you know, chronologically, historically, and say. The term Mahayana, rightly speaking, uh, encompasses um, all the lineages that, uh, first of all, first and foremost, subscribe to the teaching of Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path, the core, and and in addition, um, aspire towards the uh, the practice of Bodhisattva Path um, to in order to attain Buddhahood. To be of benefit, to uh, for of benefit and welfare to all sentient beings, and uh, the modus operandi, if you will, yeah, of uh, someone in the uh, Mahayana path is not to simply force <laughs> a Bodhisattva path down everybody's throat. Yeah, Tongse San Chen Ming Yeah, it's Maha because. It encapsulates the teaching on the Sravaka path, the Pachika Buddha path, and the Bodhisattva path. Yeah, so, uh, uh, a Mahayana practitioner have to learn all the different practices and paths so that when they encounter someone of a certain uh, affinity, uh, the, this, this person can share the appropriate teachings with them. Yeah. And given the right conditions, if the person is suitable uh, and ready for higher learning, then share with them uh, the other path uh, as appropriate. Because even in the Buddha's time, the Buddha didn't uh, just go around like pushing everybody to strive towards Arahant. Uh, I recall this series of sutra, sutta where uh, a group of, I think they were merchants, and when the Buddha first encountered them, he didn't teach them uh, like four noble truths. Like he didn't teach them how to meditate immediately. He didn't teach them satipatthana on day one. Instead, the Buddha teach them to uh, to do the practice of giving, yeah, do dana, then do the practice of observing your precepts, yeah, and gradually then 
move them to higher practices like the practice of samadhi yeah samatha so then from there teach them to uh, practice satipatthana and from there so from worldly uh, spiritual progress yeah or pursuits then to uh, samadhi and then to wisdom so it's a progression yeah so similarly but on a different scale the person under mahana should do that yeah not not simply everybody <laughs> yeah uh, but the but, uh, so this is some background uh. so in that in that way yogacara manipika etc all fall under mahana yeah uh, but having said that mahana traditions um, traditions and lineages under mahana may sometimes um how do i put it uh resonate stronger with their own lineage um lineage uh, banner more than this broad umbrella banner yeah so for example in the chinese tradition there is also the pure land tradition there's also the vinaya tradition there's also the chan that tradition yeah and then within chan itself is there are four or five sub lineages yeah and then in the earlier part of uh the the mahayana tradition there's the madhimika and yukachara and later on tathagata gaba so uh and within mahayana the way i see it, within mahayana is tibetan buddhism um and but for tibetan buddhism for example they they connect very strongly with the particular practice of uh vajrayana or vajra practice yeah so they so they as a result they identify more with vajra than uh in a way mahayana but some would say not so much but rather they see the two as equivalent as one yeah because if you ask a tibetan buddhist or, or lama or rinpoche they they will not say i'm not mahayana also <laughs> right yeah um so and in that sense um to me it's more important what your what you actually do than what you claim to be doing yeah because all the the lineage um lineage labels if you will yeah the lineage lineage um uh that you are supposed to be in is just what you claim you are but what is your actual practice so a person can claim to be mahana 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 but if the person only do practice for themselves and never have that mindset to help others fulfill their affinity according to their to their uh, inclination spiritual inclination yeah then not so mahana maha <laughs> yeah yeah if a person practice vajrayana then the conviction the the perseverance the wisdom must be like vajra <laughs> yeah unbreakable be able to penetrate through everything yeah uh when visiting a chinese temple how could we know what is the lineage uh usually in the in a chinese temple the traditional chinese temple uh simply looking at the temple uh temple name yeah uh if you know lineage history simply looking at the temple name you can know this temple is under which lineage and even which generation 
yeah, because the the traditional temples they have very uh, codified uh, naming convention, yeah, naming convention. So just by looking at a name, you know, just like Chinese monks, uh, our naming our names don't just randomly you know come in. So the middle character has certain connotation. So that's the, the answer. Uh, but an easy way is if you are not sure, then ask the resident monks there. Yeah. Uh, but in modern times, uh, a lot of Buddhist societies don't necessarily follow that. Uh. Like for example, the, the Buddhist society that, uh, that I'm, uh, I'm advisor to uh, is called Little Dharma Works. <laughs> yeah, Xiao Hu Fa. This this points to more of the aspiration of the of the volunteers, yeah. So it doesn't have any of the lineage um, connotation. So, Engwitio uh, asked the question: Do we have to undertake five precepts ritual ceremony to become Buddhist? Uh, more, well, um, more like the refuge taking. Yeah, refuge taking is what sort so-called make you the Buddhist. So this question has been asked um, for the longest time. Yeah, uh, it is a valid question, <clears throat> but more importantly, uh, some students when they ask this question, um, there's a few things I will ask them. So the first thing is. Met some students they ask this question because they don't see a point of going through the ceremony given that it's just a just a ceremony they feel that the doing the practice itself is more important and so the first thing I tell people is technically speaking the if you think about it the Buddha in his final birth there wasn't even a Buddha you know to begin with so ha so the Buddha managed to attain enlightenment by himself without even taking refuge in the Buddha in the final birth. But <laughs> it's like saying Carl Lewis is able to run 100 meters below 10 seconds. So all, hu all human beings should be able to do that. Well, in principle, yes. But in reality, most people cannot. <laughs> Why? Because most people don't have didn't put in the number of hours of training so for so in principle you don't need to do all that to attain enlightenment um, but uh, how many of us are, have the capacity to, to attain enlightenment without doing that now the question here is not about enlightenment it's about becoming a Buddhist but then why do I bring enlightenment because ultimately to become a Buddhist means actually means the word Buddhist can sometimes become uh, can blur the, 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 the intent uh. to become a Buddhist means to become a disciple of the Buddha and it basically speaks of your long-term uh, speaks of your conviction in the Buddha as your teacher yeah that you have faith that this person is awakened yeah a truly awakened person um, and in turn his teaching that his teaching can awaken you and you have the conviction that he has disciples the sangha who 
has tried the teaching and attained enlightenment, meaning, and that has the, in, the, the connotation implication that this teaching is empowering anyone who try it with the right conditions and effort can attain enlightenment. Ergo, ourselves. Yeah? So, to take refuge in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha has that condition. And then, in turn, that we wish to move in that direction. Yeah? The question is the degree and readiness of, our, of us. La. Now, if we take um, Buddhists uh, in the Buddha's time, there were no ceremonies. No ceremony whatsoever. If you look at a lot of, a lot of sutra yeah, in the Pali Canon, at the end of it, then the individual, like in the Sigalobada Sutta, yeah, Sigalaka, the, the young man, he basically said, Ah, it is wonderful. Uh, you know, it's wonderful. It is just like someone who has set upright what, what was overturned, someone who has uh, brought sight to one who is blind, someone who has brought light to darkness. Yeah. And then, so that's in praise of the Buddha's teaching. Yeah. And then um, the person would say, May the uh, Blessed One uh, take me as a lay disciple from today until the end of my life. And that's it. No ceremony. He just uttered these words and the Buddha consent in silence and that's it. He become a, a, a Buddhist, uh, a Buddha's disciple. So, um, so technically, still okay. Yeah, technically still okay. But you must say it to someone. Uh, yeah. So, meaning that there must be someone witnessing it. In the Buddha's time, there were certain implications because monks in general would go on arms. So, by declaring yourself as a lay, support, lay, lay disciple, then the Sangha would know that if they go on arms, they can, um, they can go in a certain areas. Yeah. So, uh, that's the implication that you would support the Sangha in their practice through their requisites. So how about nowadays? Do we then need to go through the ceremony or can we skip it? Yeah. Uh, and it brings us back to the first statement which is many students when they ask this question they feel that it is not necessary. Yeah. Just now I just said in principle not necessary. Yeah, but then I ask people why do you feel that it's not necessary? Yeah. And then they say no difference. Huh? No difference, yeah. Uh, notice that the reasoning I gave, the explanation I gave, is not that there's no difference, huh? But when, if a person thinks that there's no difference, then I ask them, if there's no difference, then why are you not taking it? <laughs> so apparently there must be a difference, right? If there's no difference, then why why are you resisting? Yeah, resistant to taking it going through the ceremony. So apparently the ceremony means something to you. Maybe not something that you want. Yeah. The ceremony is about conviction. That's why we talk about power. Ceremony itself doesn't give you power. But in a way it it pressures you, you know, it gets you to commit publicly. You know ceremonies are almost always with other people around. You 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 rarely have a ceremony where it's just 
you're by yourself. You conduct a ceremony by yourself. Usually ceremonies have witnesses, people to bear witness to your conviction. Yeah. Or, or in celebration of your aspiration. And in this case is is in uh, as witness and in celebration of your conviction to take the Buddha as your teacher, the Dharma as your as the teaching of truth that you will strive to abide by and your conviction that there are those who have uh, practiced in this way and attain enlightenment and thereby you also strive towards this direction and in part then the five precepts is part of this whole process and by making that declaration in public with witnesses around then you're holding yourself to it yeah easy for us to say oh but i do it anyway but if you don't have that if you're not ready to make it public then no power maybe today you do it tomorrow nobody know what so tomorrow you don't do yeah but once you are able if you are able to declare openly then you are you are crossing that line to say yes i will do it yeah but of course ultimately whether you do it or not is what determines whether you have power uh, but the ceremony can help in that way no. so if you ask me for most people today you need to go through that ceremony yeah so i'm going to just click like to mark it out lehua asks good afternoon Sifu. what is the meaning significant of the dharma wheel uh, the dharma wheel predates buddhism yeah the word dharma is an indian word so it, it comes before there's buddhism in indian culture uh, the word uh, the, the dharma itself uh, or the dharma itself the, the meaning has several several meaning the three main ones that we uh, find in buddhism is the first one is all phenomena the second refers to the principles and structures that sub that defines this all these phenomena yeah so it's the meaning of support and the third one is that among all this definition of principles and structures um, there are, there's a specific group that defines and uh, supports wholesomeness that give rise to wholesomeness uh, and that is called the buddha dhamma oh. so um, in buddhism we we look at the dharma wheel as the as the as this principle of truth in action yeah chakra wheel in in indian buddhism uh, can be literally taken as that wheel and figurative like imagery wise we often draw the wheel uh, but it's not that the buddha carried around a wheel and then <laughs> carried a wheel around uh. in indian culture and, and language the wheel has the connotation of movement yeah and it in turn it implies action yeah so like for example dharma chakra pavatana sutta yeah so here chakra pavatana uh, it it has the uh, it is it has the meaning of the buddha turning the wheel of dharma yeah so meaning that the buddha is putting into action yeah uh, putting forth, putting into action the, the teaching of truth. Uh, 
so dharma will uh, has that meaning huh? yeah so not, not literally a wheel spinning around <laughs> yeah uh, Jia Ning asks,师父,请问师父,听说如果我们念观心菩萨圣号,观心菩萨会帮我们? How does this work? <laughs> How does this work? Uh, according to the, uh, to the various sutra,观心菩萨, not just观心菩萨, all the various bodhisattvas, they, they all have certain uh, uh, personal vows but they have vows that is common and the common one is whoever has the has is in trouble uh, the bodhisattvas will try to help us yeah so I like what my teacher said about this so he said once um, Musa has this vow that he will fulfill the wishes of anyone who recites his name yeah uh, but he says Guan Simpusa is selective. <laughs> yeah. If you have a request, um, Guan Simpusa will use his wisdom, compassion to help you, but wisdom to decide when and how and the suitability to help you. Yeah. By helping you, by fulfilling your wishes, uh, will you will you grow in the spiritual path or will you uh, be free of the dangers of the lower realms or will you develop greed instead and then fall further now, depending on this then Kwan Simpusa or any bodhisattvas will help accordingly yeah. so in the Mahana tradition uh, literally there are bodhisattvas who are able to help us yeah. Uh, but as I understand and I, as I know it they, they don't magically appear and then like just dump you one go bar and say okay just enjoy and go <laughs> no uh, it, it comes in um, in a natural way okay it comes in a natural way so that's, that's the literal yeah and it does happen yeah, I, I can tell you it does happen, okay, but not for any trivial whims. It's like you want you are, you are thirsty, oh. then oh, number one simple please help me get water. <laughs> you try lah. <laughs> uh, you, you try, <laughs> or you you go outside and then you chant. Oh, it's raining. Number one simple sir, I don't think one simple is going to like. Uh, fulfill such uh, such whims and fancy huh? yeah, but if you have some obstacles to your spiritual path uh, or you want to practice filial piety yeah, sincerely want to do it but you have limitations uh, you, you, you make the request you'll try you'll try uh, it can come true oh. another level of this is if you recite the one simple uh one level is simply reciting the word, and the heart is somewhere else. Another level is to connect with Quan Simpusa and what he stands for. What does Quan Simpusa stand for? Love and compassion for all sentient beings guided by wisdom. Yeah. So if you connect with these qualities, then 
you are helping yourself. Yeah. With love, compassion, and wisdom, no problem. Uh, so this is another level of reciting the Guan Xin Pu Because at the higher level, at the later level, later stages, when we recite Guan Xin Pu it is not we being helpless, uh, wanting an external Guan Xin to help us, but we are aspiring to become like Guan Xin to be the Guan Xin for sentient beings. No. Uh, Jenny Ho says yes please ex yes Sifu, please explain the above two lines as well yeah so as I did earlier mm. Sherry Hing asks Shifu how does being vegetarian have surpassing is it we contemplate not killing etc to purify our mind uh Simply being a vegetarian itself doesn't necessarily imply that you have surpassing. Yeah. But it can help us to cultivate love and compassion. Yeah. So for example, in the West there are there are increasingly a lot of people who is um uh, becoming vegans, not just vegetarian, but full vegan. That means they abstain from any kind of animal products. Yeah. Uh, some of them do it out of compassion, yeah. So, so in that way, then it they they are develop they develop the compassion, and then they become a vegetarian or vegan. But there are those who choose vegan diet, uh, not so much not necessarily out of compassion, but because of the environmental impact of eating beef, eating meat in general. Oh. So, in Buddhist practice, uh, we contemplate on the suffering of the lower realms and then uh, make good that contemplation by undertaking vegetarian diet. So we consciously choose vegetarian diet so that sentient beings suffer lesser. Uh, so in this way, it, um, it, it develops love and compassion. Uh, do, is it that we contemplate not killing and that try to purify our mind uh, not so much contemplate uh, well yes contemplate not killing in a sense that we contemplate on the harmfulness of killing and then contemplate on the suffering and from there we evoke compassion yeah, when you see someone suffering you have compassion so then the natural decision would be not to add on to the suffering, not to, uh, not to become part of the, the the value chain, <laughs> the supply chain that results in killing, and thereby moving away from harmfulness. Oh. So Floyd, hello Floyd, uh, Sifu Jixiang, what is your view on this presentation of Heart Sutra? Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a, a while back, someone uh, I saw this uh, beatboxing Buddhist monk, uh, and recently there's quite a lot of people who shared this. Uh, quite heat, quite hot. <laughs> what is my view? Uh? Um, what is my view? <laughs> I have a quite a crazy view about things uh, sometimes. 
You know, in the Chinese Mahana tradition, we have the we have the bells, we have the drums, and usually I only just use this. Yeah, in some occasions I may also use the I may use the mu yu. Yeah, yeah. So um, today we look at this as archaic. Some look at this as archaic, and many times as very spiritual. Yeah. And in the Buddhist tradition, when we learn to use this, we do treat it with respect. But not because it is anything magical by itself. No, not by itself. But because of, um, of our intent, when we use this, it is purely to guide and lead a congregation to do cultivation. And as a result, this is something uh, that is that we should treat with respect. But you must know that uh, the, the way some of these instruments are played uh, or, or, or that the way we have all this is actually, in a, in a sense, uh, the pop music of Tang Dynasty, <laughs> the pop instruments of Tang Dynasty, the, the, the symbols and, you know, the way the, the melody yeah, a lot of this actually came from the Tang Dynasty. I'm talking about Chinese Mahayana. So in that sense, the way we chant were kind of like the pop music back then. <laughs> uh, to me, the, the presentation itself must serve a few purposes. Uh, just like our ropes. It should um, point people towards uh, quietude. Yeah, so even though there are all these instruments, right? Uh, from what I know, all the instruments in the Chinese uh, ensemble are all single tone, only one sound. There's no difference in tone. Yeah, but it's uh, in in general we only use percussion. Yeah, in general, yeah, and they're all single tone, and it is more to get everybody to be uniform. Yeah, not to uh, evoke worldly uh, desire and so on. Yeah, so um, when I saw this video, a few thoughts came to mind, and I thought it's just like some other venerables who were in the entertainment industry and they use different approaches to present what they have learned or appreciated from Buddhism. And initially, I thought, isn't that kind of like not not putting aside their their past, you know? Yeah, shouldn't they just embrace the monastic path totally? Like for example, in the Tibetan tradition, there are some Rinpoches who actually make movies. Yeah, so um, there are different opinions about it. Some say that that's the way to go. May not be. That doesn't mean that everybody must make movies, but that's one way to reach out to people who can, through the movies, then learn Dharma. But there are those who say that, but that shouldn't be something that monks should be doing. But it got me thinking also, like for example, um, I, I wrote uh, the, the digital Buddha Vachana and then later become daily Buddha Vachana and part of it is still working <laughs> and that was using my 
my programming ability from the past it's a it's a skill anyway I have it yeah I don't need to go and spend three years to learn relearn it I, I already have it um, back in US when the monastery I was with uh, fire monastery our our lineage monastery they wanted to sell a website back in 2003 to save on cost I pick up PHP over about three days three or four days and then help to set up a website so I, I see myself setting up the website not that different from what this monk is doing yeah it's using what we really know to present Dharma in a certain way that can make it easier for people to relate to yeah uh, but how individuals that means the monk themselves or none for that matter uh, relate to it uh, that is their own cultivation yeah so like for example this venerable who is doing beatboxing if while doing it he's still enjoying it as a form of music and not so much connecting with the teaching of wisdom then then that will be going off course like. but I don't know I, I can't encompass his mind yet so I don't know and that's why for me when I after I set up the website I I, I, I drafted a uh, working manual for, for the team in the South Campus for the nuns and I gave them the training I taught them and I handed over the whole website to them uh, after a couple of years they actually migrated to WordPress yeah, so um, I like to think that as far as that is concerned then I, I'm not holding I'm not um, like having that worldly craving and desire towards the website yeah this is something that this in a way a burden a, a, a task that we need to take it upon ourselves if we were to uh, use worldly means to propagate the teachings or uh, as to whether this venerable uh, does it with without any uh, any worldly craving and attachment then that's on him he, ha he has to account to himself yeah or, uh, will, will more people learn Heart Sutra because of his chanting? I don't know. Yeah. Like the very fact that our teaching is on Facebook Live, it, it's, it's, it's a difference in the medium, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, there may be some conservative uh, Buddhists who may even feel that, wow, how can a monk, uh, like, you know, give teaching like as though it's a. I don't know. Uh, like very conservative ones, they they may uh, they may not find this uh, palatable. Also, it depends. Yeah. Uh, but on a personal note, I would stick to the traditional Chinese chanting anytime, because for me, even the melodious chanting of Heart Sutra to me, I, I don't quite connect with that. Too melodious. Like, you know, there's one, I think, by Imiwi. I think a lot of people like that. Yeah, I don't have I don't have issue with people liking it, but I personally prefer the traditional chanting, which is quite monotone. Yeah, like the, her, her chanting is Guan zi zai pu sa xing shen And so on. So to me, too much up and down. <laughs> Whereas the traditional chanting, uh, 
Sa-sing-shen-po-re-po-lo-mi-do-si-zing-kwan-si-zai-pu-sa-sing-shen-po-re-po-lo-mi-do-si-zau-jian-u-yun-jie-kong-du-yi-chie-ku-e-sa-li
uh, and then there's a Buddhist film festival. There's also a, 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 a BBC documentary on Buddhism. Yeah, so there's a whole series uh, that would be published in due time. Uh, so don't uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. And that's it. Yes, very good. Yeah. Uh, oh wait, Sing Zhao. Uh, at first, I thought he just shared the the teaching uh, on the right view, Samaditi Sutta, I think. So he seemed to have a question. The supramundane right view doesn't seem to mention karma and rebirth. So can secular Buddhists somehow use this as a sort of escape route as long as they don't commit to rejecting rebirth and karma so no adherence to wrong views could they just by using supramundane right views attain to stream winner? Uh, stream winner doesn't have full right view uh, if you ask me. The, the stream winner, the, the key wrong view that is removed for a stream winner is Sakaya Diti. Yeah, it, 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 uh, you are familiar with it. Uh? Uh, the three things that are removed, Sakaya Diti, uh, the, the wrong view of, uh, of, uh, of a self. Yeah. Then the second one is attachment to rites and rituals. Uh, when translated in this way, the context is a bit hazy, uh, but it's actually about those practices that doesn't contribute to your sp spiritual progress yeah so um so but when we translate as rites and rituals it seems like just oh, oh as long as it's not rites and rituals then it's okay no any practices that doesn't help in the spiritual path uh, the sotapanna see through that and so doesn't doesn't think that this practice can help because he's, he know clearly the path uh, and undertaking that he has taken that reached that led him to this point. Yeah, the third one is doubt. The doubt doubt is removed because the sotapanna having uh, see through the fallacy of the identity as as self yeah of self uh, attains to the truth yeah at least to the to this degree. And as a result, his uh, faith in the Buddha is uh, strength is purified. Why? Because he he knows for a, fa a fact that oh, when the Buddha teach that uh, the view of a self is actually a fallacy, now he see for himself, and that's why his faith in Buddha is purified. So, faith purified, doubt is removed, and by extension, the teaching, which is what he has attained to. And then, because he has attained to this state, when the Buddha uh, state that gave the teaching that there are those who have attained, you know, to various stages, he has that faith also, that conviction that there is the Aryan Sangha, and then he has faith in the the practices, the, the practice of the precepts leading up to this point. So Sotapanna, not necessarily having uh, completed the whole uh, set of the right view. Yeah, only up to Arahant then is complete uh, from what I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Sotapanna may have, have conviction, yeah, but not direct seeing of the whole thing yet. Mm. So 
the question can they just use supra mundane right views to attain right uh, to attain stream inner no they they just have to remove the three lower factors or three lower factors mm. the thing about rejecting rebirth and karma uh, if you look at samaditi sutta uh, and you look at other suttas on diti itself samaditi itself uh, in some places there are, there are further elaborations so uh, I don't think it's uh, unless we cherry pick otherwise the whole the whole set of the teachings must be taken together ma. Yeah, we cannot simply say oh because this particular sutta never talked about the rest so everything else is rejected yeah oh. <laughs> uh, but having said that to me there are students who attend my classes and they say that but Sifu, what if I I currently am not able to be convinced in rebirth and I said well you look at uh, there's this sutta called uh, Siha Sutta yeah the and it's on this general siha literally lion so this general he uh, he he asked the buddha of the benefits of doing dana and the buddha described five benefits four or five benefits the last one being the the wholesome rebirth yeah the fruits of rebirth that is linked to this dana and he said the first four he knows uh directly because the first four pertains to like uh, good reputation having good friends friendship and so on um, he he knows them directly because it's experienced in this life but the rebirth part he don't know so he says the fifth i accept on conviction yeah so this is the same as i tell students uh, rebirth you don't have to just blindly accept uh, but you can accept on conviction first that means you are ready to uh, to explore further yeah um, but work on what you need to work on first lah. <laughs> oh, this is how I look at it mm. uh, but all doubts about Buddha Dharma Sangha should mean no doubts about karma and rebirth too uh, Sotapanna Now, it is not that you remove doubt to attain enlightenment. It's that you attain enlightenment, then you remove doubt. <laughs> so, so, it is not that you have to remove your doubt about karma and rebirth, then you can attain sotapanna. It's that you attain sotapanna, then your doubts in, other, in, in uh, the Dharma is removed. A lot of people get this uh, causality part, this, this, this part reversed. Uh. So traditional Buddhists, we always like, cannot doubt, cannot doubt. But that's not the case. Uh. As long as you are enlightened, you have doubt. It is that you attain enlightenment, then your doubt is removed. Oh. Yeah, so, uh, removal of doubt is not a practice by itself. It is the verification of truth that is the practice. Yeah? And through that, doubt is removed. Okay? Alright, we have way exceeded time. <laughs> Alright? So, uh, we wrap up now. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to thank uh, the the support all these months uh, since we we started going online uh, and especially the the team behind Siapusa uh, they they 
they help to make sure that everything is is running fine and also their their support for the next three months or uh, and very importantly the the your your learning dharma yeah otherwise i'm just talking to myself <laughs> oh, uh, the dharma the dharma um, uh, makes sense only when we make good of it yeah uh, leave uh, try it out test drive the dharma yeah the more you test drive the more you know is particular nuances the way it works and the specific instances where maybe it doesn't work so much so well for you uh, but if you were to try it out then you are able to uh, uh, further your, your progress and then become a beacon of light for others as well yeah, and with that we wrap up Yuan Xiao San Zhang Zhu Fan Nao Yuan De Zi Hui Zhen Ling Liao Pu Yuan Zui Zhang Xi Xiao Chu Si Si Chang Xing Pu Sa Dao Amitofo Qi Li